Hey friends, welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. This is your host today, Michael Carey, and I have Dr. Jake Porter as our guest here. And uh, Jake was on our podcast. Um, gosh, you know, the, the interview, I looked it up actually, and it was July of 2020. And oh, wow. Man, when I think of July of 2020, I'm like, oh, COVID brain. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Uh, so, you know, way back then we were, we were in the thick of that and uh, probably as traumatized as everybody else was. So, you know, this podcast I'm sure is going to be different. (laughs) We we can let go of all that stuff. But, um, anyways, it's been so long. It's been too long. Um, Jake, the, uh, there's so many different things that I could say about you and, um, the uh, psychotherapist, the coach, the consultant, the speaker, the teacher, the uh, the pastoral roles that you've had. Um, there's there's so much. But you know what I like most about you is that um, with all of that and more letters after your name than anybody that I know, you are humble and so oh. easy to be with and talk to. And that's a blast. Oh, um, thank you. When you were in Indianapolis and we had you out for a uh, for some training for some couples and stuff, uh, kind of an intensive for couples, you know, it was just a blast hanging out, getting to know you. And, yeah. um, so that's great. That's, that's well, what thank I like. You. Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me back. I always enjoy talking with you too. And, and I really admire what you and Kristen do. Y'all's ministry is great. Top notch. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. That's great. Love it. So, uh, all the listeners I know are going to benefit from this teaching and we get to have you um, talking on a subject that I know a tiny, tiny bit about, but um, as we were talking about possibilities, this is so cool. So today we're going to talk about the different cognitive subsystems in the brain that get messed up when someone experiences a trauma trigger. And can we just say, is it, is it okay to say, every human being experiences a trauma trigger to some oh, yeah. degree or yeah. not? Everybody gets triggered. Everybody goes into overwhelm one way or another, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, every human being will have had this experience one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Varying degrees of the different types of trauma that they've probably experienced. And like I was mentioning, and, you know, we jumped into this, uh, COVID 2020, I think was traumatic for, for most human beings, if not all and on the planet. So, uh, there's that, but going all the way back into childhood and different things, right. Um, for sure. That's why I say, you know, everyone, if you didn't uh, growing up, (laughs) did you, when you had to jump into, you know, not being able to go outside for six months, in 2020. Um, yeah. and how traumatic was that? But what I is tell, a trauma? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. I was just gonna say, I, I tell my clients, every single person on this fallen, sin, sick, broken world has some post-traumatic stress in their system. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of how much you have and how yours shows up. So right. it's there. It's a common human experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I would love it if you could just tell us in your definition, what is a trauma trigger? What does that mean? Sure. Sure. So we got to back up a little bit from that and talk about what trauma is, right? So trauma, simplest way to explain that. And this is, it's really all oversimplified what I'm saying today, but it's, it's basically true. You know, it's to, to get the point across the big, big themes across trauma is when we experience too much, too fast or too little for too long. Right. So uh, trauma could be a, a car accident and assault, 
Um, it could be the sudden death of a loved one. Uh, but trauma can also look like neglect, right? Too little for too long. So uh, a child who's not being mirrored, nurtured, um, those sorts of things. We now know that has a traumatic effect on the system. And basically what happens is the the too much too fast or the too little for too long both get you to the same place, which is where the brain is having a discharge of chemicals, adrenaline, the, all those stress chemicals, cortisol, all that stuff that causes, begins to cause dysfunctions that then have a lingering effect and that's where the triggers come into play. Okay. So now it's long after the actual traumatic event could be days, weeks, months, years after the event. And something happens that activates the memory network in the brain. But because the trauma at the time of the trauma, the brain wasn't functioning correctly, that memory gets activated in a way that instead of remembering it, we relive it. And, and mm. so, so the body literally reacts as if the threat is right here, right now, rather than a year ago, a decade ago, or whatever. So, mm -hmm. so it's, I call it sometimes the trauma triggered time warp, because what's happening there is between left and right hemispheres, only the left hemisphere really has that sense of time built into it. And the right hemisphere uh, is very body-based and emotion-based. And to, to just boil it down to as simple as possible, when, when that trauma happens, the corpus callosum, which connects left and right hemispheres, the functionality goes down. And therefore, the memory is not integrated across left and right hemispheres. Okay, mm. so now if it if something triggers the memory on the right hemisphere and I have the emotional response, the body response, it's not anchored in time by simultaneously activating the corresponding memory in the left hemisphere where that sense of time lives. Does that make mm. sense? Or was that a little it, bit too wonkish? <laughs> no, no. I mean... You know, um, we hear these terms like we're going to geek out and stuff like that. But you know, I think that it's uh, it is it's important if even though if listeners don't get the exact terminology or the names sure. of the of these different parts of the brain, the the most important piece is you know yeah what you're discovering you know what what we are discovering with all the brain right. science these days right hemisphere right. left hemisphere they're not talking to each other. Yeah, that's right. That is exactly what's happening. So mm -hmm. that the sense of time and space um, right. deteriorates. But we, I mean, we know where we are. We know how old we are, like the memory. But it's just the emotion you're talking about that we're re-experiencing, the feeling, the stress, the cortisol, these different neurotransmitters are firing. These things are happening as if it was still happening right now. Right now. That's right. And, and I, like I watched it happen in my office yesterday, <laughs> working with a couple and, <laughs> and this partner got triggered, very understandable trigger that, that happened. And she was saying, I know I'm safe. Like I, I know, I understand that you're sharing with me something from the past, but I am getting dysregulated, you know, I'm sweating. I, 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 I'm afraid. So, so the, the word there 
is dissociation. Okay, now it's not, you know, there, there's a real strict clinical definition of dissociation that's that's um, a little more narrow than how I'm going to use it with you in this conversation today, Michael. Mm-hmm. But but think of it literally as, okay, these systems in the brain are unhooking from each other. They're, they're, they're pulling apart from each other. And so now optimal functioning is not going to happen. It's like a car. Think about how many different individual systems are in a car, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how when one starts to break down for whatever reason, it begins to affect these others. And there's a compound effect happening in the, in the functioning of the car, same way in our brain, same Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So, so they start coming apart. They're not talking to each other. They're not firing in a coordinated way there's a lot of different ways that that can happen but that dissociation begins to remove us from our present reality mhm yeah right on something that i was thinking about um so a side question for you is it true then also that we re-experience at that same time all the other memories that were very similar or alike do, do all those get pulled up kind of like a collage? You know, if I say beach, you think sand and vacations and whatever, like, are you experiencing even more than just that one event, but everything that's similar to that event? You can, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't always happen that way, but it often can, especially if it's something that happened has happened over and over and over again. So let's say a betrayed partner who has had multiple discoveries of acting out on their partner's part right and mm-hmm. so you, you activate one memory and it's like a popcorn effect of you know psh, 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 boom 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 yeah. all these others get get activated and quickly grows into that sense of overwhelm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right on right on and could it also be connected to other other forms of betrayal from other partners or you know um, yeah. other other relationships in the past? For sure. So one of the things that we know is like like when we think about triggers, often we'll think about like something we might see, right? Like I so a partner walks into the bedroom, sees her husband sitting on the bed with his phone, and when he, when she walks in, he puts the phone down. Now maybe what's happening in the moment is. Hey, my wife's here, right? And I'm I'm supposed to prioritize her. I'm supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. uh put her first. And so he's doing that, but what triggers for her is how many times did she walk in on him looking at porn on his phone? So that gets triggered. That's how we often think about a trigger, something visual or or a smell of a clone or a sound, a song, a place. But we also know that internal triggers exist. So those are all external. An internal trigger could be a body sensation or a feeling, an emotional state. So let's say someone uh, was neglected in childhood, okay? Um, and there's a certain feeling that come that that comes from and is tied to that neglect. And then in their present relationship, they, their body take, you know, has that feeling again, it could trigger the trauma of the past neglect. 
and and that gets really mm-hmm. complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's no conscious awareness because it's feeling like it's right here, right now. It's not yeah. experienced as a memory. So mm-hmm. it's going to add an intensity and a complexity to the present experience because the past and the present is getting all mixed up together. Mm-hmm. And, the, and and they're not necessarily conscious of that. That's a lot more elusive, you know, for things that you didn't get. Yeah. Right. Um, not associated with specific memory. That's interesting. Very mm-hmm. interesting. So if we can dig then a little deeper, could you define like what are these different subsystems in, in the brain? How are they affected in these sure. trauma triggers? Sure. So um, there there are five. Okay. And, and again, this uh, we're going to get a little we're going to, you know, get nerdy here for a little bit. And it's okay, folks, if you don't get it all. Hey, this is a podcast. You can go back and listen more. Uh, but, you know, I just want to right. back up what Michael said, that uh, the main thing is just to get the big takeaways. So the five mm-hmm. five subsystems are the attentional, perceptual, representational, memory, and reflective. And and so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk through these one at a time and how each one, what each one does when it's working well. But then what happens when we get triggered by, by our trauma? Okay. And, and I've done this a couple of times, you know, like just taught it in some small groups and stuff and, and people have found it really validating. So I would encourage our listeners. Okay. Just as you hear this, just think about, have I experienced this before? Right. Have I, you know, does this sound like something I've gone through? So if we start with the attentional system, um, basically what we want is we want this system to be able to act like a, like a, a, a lens on a camera that can, we can zoom in on something or we can zoom out on something. Okay. And, and there, there are big words for this contextual attentive state versus focused attentive state. So a contextual attentive state, that's our wide lens. Okay. So I'm sitting back. Let's say you and I, Michael, we go, we're going to go take a trip together. We're going to go to to the beach. I actually hate the beach, but you know, that's probably where <laughs> I'd end up because my wife likes the beach, right? So yeah. sitting on the beach, kick back, looking at the 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 sunset or whatever, big view, panoramic view, or the mountains. That's more my style. Looking at a whole mountain range there, big picture, wide angle lens looking at it all at once. Okay. But then let's say, you know, um, you say to me, Hey, look at that boat right there. Okay. Now I can, I can zoom in. Like I can close that wide angle and I can focus on that one piece. Right. And I can notice it and look at that. And then when I want to, I can zoom back out. Okay. Well, what, what can happen with a trauma trigger is that you get stuck in one or the other. Either stuck with the 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 wide angle zoom or stuck on the, you know, very narrow, hyper-focused lens, okay? Mm. And so if we're stuck in what's called that, that global or contextual attention, so with the wide angle, we get flooded, we get overwhelmed, we get confused, it's too much, I can't stand on this one thing because what about this also, And right? And it's like I can't. I can't quiet all everything else to be able to focus on this one thing that's right in front of me. We can't talk about 
um, and I'll just make something up. We can't talk about this one boundary violation because what about all of these other things happening? Mm. Okay. We can also get stuck with that very focused lens, the focused attention uh, state. And there we become very rigid, very narrow. We we forget about other information, other contextual information. So like yesterday, the example that happened in my office with that, that trigger for that partner, she got stuck in that narrow place. And, and so one of the things that I had to do with her, and you can't just say this, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, you know, logically explain to someone <laughs> these things. But I was able to work with her to widen her lens and think about what other data she had mm-hmm. to help her feel safe. Oh, he's taken a polygraph since then. Oh, yeah, I know. I know this. I know this. Oh, yeah. Right. And and so by opening that broadening that lens a little bit she was able to get out of that stuck fixed place where she was feeling so rigid so that's the attentional one Mm, right that all makes sense (laughs) yeah so they so we're so focused on this one thing we're not able to see the wide angle the good or the bad whatever it is right right. but mostly the good things you know Yeah. yeah yeah because our brains have that negativity bias to keep us safe mm uh-huh uh-huh right yeah excellent thank you yeah yeah so so then we get to the perceptual and what what you're going to notice is these systems they sort of stack on top of each other right so you can have a breakdown in one that affects the the next and and you'll see that here the perceptual system it gathers all the data front that's that's brought in by the attentional system and it begins to integrate it to construct our experience of experience of this present moment. Okay. So, so if I take everything that all the data coming in from the wide angle, from the focused lens, all of that, now my brain is going to put that together into, into what I am experiencing in the present. And when I'm, when everything's working well, it's what we would call a regulated affect state. The whole brain's online. My body's, re- you know, relaxed. I'm good. Okay. We experience the present as, again, this is going to sound weird at first, but I'll explain it. A cohesion between our inner and outer worlds. They match. Hmm. Like I feel on the inside the way I should feel given what's happening on the outside. Right. Okay. So there's a match there. I'm in a hmm. calm place. I'm in a safe place. I feel calm and safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. When I get dysregulated, our somatic body experiences are not integrated with the incoming external data. So now my body feels uh, in a, a way that is mismatched to mm-hmm. my environment. Right. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. When, when partners say they don't feel safe, and sometimes sometimes it's more about relational safety, and we need to distinguish that. But sometimes it's a real threat response. Mm-hmm. And I say partners, addicts can feel this too, right? Yeah. This is a human thing. So let me just clarify yes. that, right? So I I'm feeling not safe, even though I'm safe, right, right. And that that's literally that's not just someone. Uh, being stuck on something, being unwilling to 
let something go. Uh, it's not a lack of forgiveness. None of that. It's literally that perceptual system of the brain, that sub subsystem of the brain, not functioning mm. correctly. That's it's that dissociation know, of of those those systems coming up coming apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. So, not necessarily a lack of forgiveness, but it's uh, an isolated incident where you're flooded. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's really scary for our inside to not match the outside. You know, even if that's not conscious for us, you know, that's a mm. that's a threatening experience to have. Mm-hmm. It can become very overwhelming. Right. Mm. And so then these these triggers just sort of feed upon themselves and mm-hmm. can get even worse. Yeah. So you mentioned somatically the um, you know, what does unsafe actually feel like in the body? I imagine anxiety, tightening the chest, throat, whatever, right. heart rate increases, different That's things right. like that. Right. Maybe, maybe you feel and it's different for different people, right? Uh, something in the gut, more in the gut. Some people, they they feel like in their legs, all this energy like in their legs is tightening, like they're getting ready to just bolt, right? Just run away. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, hard to breathe, like a big, there's a big weight on your chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people, I call it uh, the cognitive traffic jam. Okay. It's like, it's like so many thoughts, nothing can come out, nothing can move. It's like gridlock on the highway, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because there's so much there, you know, um, that's, that's another way it can be experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That makes yeah. sense. So that's the perceptual system. That's the yeah. perceptual. So, so then we have the representational system. So this is, this gets uh, really, you know, this is almost like sci-fi or quantum physics or something we're about to get into, but <laughs> When when you remember something, okay, your 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 concepts of the past, your memories of the past, or you anticipate something that's going to happen in the future. Literally in that moment, it's the result of the firing of neurons in your brain, right? So that memory is actually a representation of something that ha- happened before. It's not the real thing itself, right? Mm. It's it's my it's a representation of what happened. Okay, based on your own perception and experience. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm anticipating something that that might happen that I think is going to happen, okay, that's a that is another representation. That's not the thing itself. Mm -hmm. It's what I think will happen. Okay, so again, when my brain is functioning well and appropriately the representational system is able to integrate past representations so my memories of the past with present data to to construct a like a what we would call a flexible construction uh, of experience right now so what that means is i'm i'm able to go this is what happened in the past but this is what's happening right now and i'm able to bring those together in a cohesive flexible way right mm-hmm. see that some parts are the same and some parts are different mm. okay or i can well and then allow that to affect what i think is coming 
Right. Okay. Am I going to be safe or not? In Am the I going to be safe or not the in the future? Event is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or how do I even understand what's what just happened in front of me? I'll I'll give you an example here in a minute. So when when I get a trauma trigger though, when I'm dysregulated, this leads to an ado- a dissociation in the representational system, and a loss of the ability to integrate these different representations, past, future, and present experience. So so. It's where um, this had a lot of a lot of addicts do something called splitting. That's a defense mechanism where there's the good wife and the bad wife. And I can't mm. hold together in my mind. Like right now, she's angry with me or she's she's in her pain and it's triggering my shame. And so right now, I can't remember all the time she's been supportive and encouraging and patient and forgiving mm. and all of these things right now all i all i've got yeah this present experience i can't mm-hmm. bring the representations that i have from the past into the present right to inform this moment and that's why sometimes this moment can feel so catastrophic like yes. like it's over man it's the end or whatever it's, right right mm. exactly because in that moment my brain is so overwhelmed it's not it's not looking at the whole picture mm. right and i'm not 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 just talking about the whole picture in that moment that would be back to the attentional system i'm talking about historically mm. right so so here's another example from the other side from the side of a betrayed partner um and again it's like like what happened in my office yesterday um so just to give a little a little more about this illustration, basically what happened was um, the the addicted partner actually fessed up to something. Now it wasn't a relapse. Mm. It was what I you know what we would consider some middle circle dangerous behavior, uh, but but he owned it, and it was like the very first time that he brought something to her without her having to figure it out. And at first she was, she was like, okay, that's painful and scary to hear, but thank you. You know, like, Hey, you're doing the thing I asked you to do, bringing stuff to me. Mm-hmm. But then I could see it happening. I could see her starting to get flooded. Right. And yeah. all she could focus on was he's going to, he's about to relapse. He's about right. to, re- you know, right. Sure. Sure. So one of the questions that I that I ask mm-hmm. partners in this state is what's different? Take a deep breath and let's let's focus on there's a lot that feels similar here. What's different in this moment? And so that's going to require her to compare the present moment with the past. And so I'm I'm sort of trying to manually turn on this representational system, okay? Mm-hmm. So that she's having to say, well, he just took a polygraph. Well, he brought it to me. He's being honest. He's maybe being for honest the, the first, first time, time and right, whatever. Right. And so, mm-hmm. and so that, does that make all the fear go away? No, but she came right back into regulation. Mm-hmm. She came out of that hyper, hypervigilance right back right. in because we were able to mainly bring some of these systems back on together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, so that's yeah. the representational system. 
And in that example, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to relapse in the future or whatever that is mm -hmm. either. It's just that this is what she's experiencing in this very moment and being flooded. And it's like, this is not her present reality. That's she's right. She's reacting to what she thinks is going to happen in the future. That's right. The... But without looking at the whole historical context and noticing the good, what, what positive changes are happening here uh-huh yeah right yeah. so yeah. that's representational that's the representational subsystem that's right mm -hmm. okay so the next one is the memory uh mm -hmm. subsystem and uh I, I talked about this earlier you know in our conversation where um traumatic events are typically what we would call fragmented from the rest of our autobiographical memory okay and so they're they're dissociated they're distinct they're not integrated into the whole big picture all right and what this does is it gives them the ability to to operate kind of independently when they get activated okay they run the show this one memory is running the show rather than our whole autobiographical memory. Okay. Mm. And this is where we begin to have the somatic memories, the flashbacks, inner voices, visualizations, which can lead to that hyper or hypo arousal going up into fight or flight, crashing, numbing out, that sort of thing. Um, and the, the, the uh, example I usually use for this one is, is a personal one and it's kind of silly, but it, I mean, this is like, absolutely a very real experience for me back several years ago i used to be a pastor and it was it was a sunday morning it's like 6 30 in the morning i'm the only one at the church and i'm making a pot of coffee and i go in to pour myself a cup of coffee and as i'm pouring the coffee my phone rings and it's my mom and if my mom is calling me at 6 30 a.m on a sunday hmm. something's wrong hmm. okay so i immediately have a threat response happen and i answer the phone and she says everything's okay but which tells you actually <laughs> something terrible happened <laughs> right <laughs> okay mm. and and what she told me was that um my grandfather's house had burned down overnight and he had barely made it out um like just wow. just like jumped through the flames okay and and I said, what happened? And she said, we think maybe it was the heating element in the heating pad outside for the cat. Okay. <laughs> now, when she says this to me, I'm staring at the coffee pot and the heating <laughs> element in the coffee pot. And Michael, no uh, lie, in that moment, mm. I developed this trauma trigger where I could not leave my house without unplugging my coffee pot. Wow. Okay? Mm. And if mm -hmm. I wasn't sure that I had done it, I'd turn around and drive 20 minutes back to my house to do it. <laughs> wow. And here, here's the thing. I knew it was irrational. I logically knew that there were other things in my house that were more of a fire hazard than that coffee mm -hmm. pot. I logically knew I could leave that coffee pot on all day long on that countertop and it's not going to cause a fire. 
But mm -hmm. when that memory would get activated, it took over everything and all the other parts of my story and all the other things I logically knew out the mm -hmm. window. Yeah. Wow. Thankfully, I took EMDR training. And when you do EMDR training, they make you have some EMDR sessions. Mm, and I hope so. <laughs> 45 minutes yeah. of EMDR, that was gone. And mm. it, it was never a problem again. But but that's that's how powerful one fragmented memory can be. Mm. And that power you know, that's of association, a, yeah. Absolutely. And And it's, you know, I logically knew that I was safe. Think about a person who doesn't have that assurance to counterbalance the experience of that fragmented memory getting activated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's terrifying. That's mm -hmm. really terrifying. Right. Wow. So uh, the last one is the reflective system. And this mm -hmm. is what allows us to like think about our thinking you know, to think about what we're thinking, think about what we're feeling. So we're, so I'm not just the rat in the maze, but I can kind of see myself as the rat in the maze, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not just thinking, um, uh, she's never going to love me again. And I'm a horrible person. I'm aware that I'm having those thoughts and I'm going, huh, I've got some shame coming up right now. That's, that's called metacognition. If anyone wants the big fancy word for it, metacognition means I'm able to, uh, that is that is me thinking about my thinking and feeling, having an awareness of what I'm thinking and feeling. And um, and it's our ability to to access our own and others internal states. Like I can tell what you're thinking, not not perfectly, but I can I can read the signals you're giving me. Right. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm noticing that some sadness is coming up for you or I'm noticing uh, mm. that, that some anxiety fear is coming up for you, or I'm noticing mm. that it's coming up for me. That's called mentalization. And, and when, when our whole brain is online, we're able to hold our reflective activities open to new information. Right. So it's like, I'm, this is what I'm thinking and feeling, but I can be aware of what you're thinking and feeling and, and let those have some exchange, right? I, I can, it actually allows me to shift my emotion so that I'm not, um, my emotions, not driving the bus. I can actually, I can actually have some control over my emotions as well. Mm. Right. Oh, I'm feeling shame because I made up that you said that to point out my flaw. But if I can be open to what you're telling me. Now I understand you said that because you want me to know your heart. Mm. Oh, now my feet, my emotion will, will change and follow that reflective activity I just did, where I basically changed the story of how I'm interpreting what's, mm. what's happening inside of me and what's happening inside of you. Mm. Okay. So when mm -hmm. I get dysregulated, when I get into a trauma trigger, then I think I know what's happening inside of you. Mm -hmm. And I'm certain I know what's happening inside of me. I know mm -hmm. your part and I know my part and I'm not open to seeing it any other way. Mm. So whatever you say, whatever you do, that's not getting integrated in to this moment and my certainty 
about what's happening inside of you and what's happening inside of me. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, like I'll never be enough for her. Well, she's sitting right there paying lots of money to sit in front of me with you to work on your marriage. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you'll never be enough for her? <laughs> or, yeah, you know, that's just one example. But but it's where we get very fixed on who we are, who I am in relationship to you, who you are, how you see me, how I see myself. And we're not able to bring in new information. So mm-hmm. so those are the five. And it's not like all of them get affected every single time. And it's not like only one. It can be combinations of these. But mm-hmm. I've been, as I've been learning about this, what I've been seeing is that it can, like having this higher resolution understanding can really equip us to have greater awareness of what's going on inside of us with these triggers. And with more awareness, we have more power to choose something different. Mm-hmm. We're, we're empowered to, to, to move back toward regulation and health and integration. Mm. Right. Yeah. And as you were talking about that last subsystem reflective, I was just thinking this is so, this is why counseling and coaching, having people who can speak into your life and in your situation Mm -hmm. that are on the outside, that are not experiencing what you're experiencing and can actually see things more clearly. um, We need that. It's so vital for other people to be a part of our story, for us to be vulnerable with what we're going through and what we're feeling, because it's just um, without that, we're stuck in believing um, things that could really alter our life choices and decisions. Right. So like, how long, how long does this, you know, I, I think I'm just thinking through, um, um, I could probably come up with 10 million times that this has happened to me, you know, and this is, uh, uh, but what I'm thinking is, is it true? Like, I think that I've been stuck in this state for, it feels like a week. <laughs> maybe that's not true. Maybe a day, maybe hours. Like mm-hmm. how long does this last? Is it like, I remember thinking those kind of things like this is, um, this is a disaster. This is catastrophic for maybe a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it can be quick, but it can last a really long time. Um, to the point that, well, here's another, another technical word for you you know, having a self state, what is the state of myself? It's, it's sort of the the combination of all those systems, you put them all together with the emotions that that come with them, whether that's shame or fear or, or whatever it is, and that becomes a self state. It's a, it's a, it's a way in which we live and move and have our being in the world. And we can get stuck in one of these for a long time. Mm -hmm. We can, we can stay in a self state that is more or less dysregulated and dissociated from really the whole of who we are and the whole of reality and all of that. And, and this might be helpful. There are, there are three, three things that when we're in one of those self states, they're going on. Now we don't necessarily know they're going on because we we've lost that metacognitive ability that I was just Uh talking about. Okay. But one is, um, automaticity we are automating everything so i 
I'm telling myself, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know what happens next. Mm. I know what she's going to say, or I know what he's going to do. Uh, or it could be, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. Next. You know, it could be an angry place. It could be a sort of a depressed place, but, but we're so certain we know what's going to happen. And again, this is all non-conscious. We begin to, to preemptively to respond to that, which we're certain is going to happen which oftentimes ends up eliciting the very thing that we were anticipating, which then right. confirms the script. The self-fulfilling prophecy. The self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so what's happening there is I am, I'm projecting, I'm, I'm automating my wife. I'm not actually listening to her actual words right here, right now. I'm not paying attention to her face right here, right now, her tone of voice right here, right now. Oh, I already know how she is. And I'm responding to that rather than her right here, right now. Mm. This morning I was working with a couple and <laughs> this guy, I love this couple. I, I, I absolutely adore this couple. And he's, he is a true narcissist i'm not saying he has traits he owns it he has narcissistic personality disorder he has done incredible work incredible but it's pretty clear when that narcissism gets activated and and so she was telling him they were they were uh replaying a fight basically okay and she was saying all i needed you to say was this and he said i did say that and i said tell me what you said and he said it. And I said, is that what you think she just said? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I asked her, would you say again what you just said? And I said, now you listen to see if it's exactly what you said. And he, I mean, you could, should have seen it all over his face. Like, oh, my goodness. He had huh. so automated her. He was completely convinced that mm. she had said what he, you know, you get that. Mm. So. That automation. Wow. Uh, the second is compartmentalization, where, where we're we're just looking at one piece of the whole, and we're not integrating all the data, all the information, all the experience, right? So I'm stuck in this this depressed, shame based self state. I'm not looking at, man, we've come so far since a year ago, right? I'm just looking at. This period of time right here. And then the third mm. is what we would call an altered state of consciousness. And this doesn't mean that you're like, you know, a, a different personality is popping out or something like that. It, it What it means is I don't feel connected to myself. I don't feel connected to my world. There's, there's just this, it's like I'm, it's like I'm moving through this space, but I don't really belong here. You know, mm. it, it's hard to put words to this one as mm. much as the others, but um depersonalization derealization like is this really my life mm. is this really even me is this really mm. my world right mm. it doesn't feel like it huh. kind of so sounds like dissociation things. in a way is it? it yeah it's a, it, and it is a form of dissociation okay yes. mm. yeah yeah if i remove myself from myself then i don't have to feel <laughs> what i'm feeling anymore that's right that's right. Yeah. And, and really all of these, again, it doesn't fit. Like if you were to look at a real strict definition of dissociation, it wouldn't fit, but I think, and there is in the, 
in the counseling psychology literature right now, coming out of a more robust, broad understanding of what dissociation is. Mm -hmm. It shows up a whole lot more than what we think. Mm -hmm. And um, so all of these things I would, I would put under the umbrella of dissociation. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that is, is amazing. Thank you so much for describing these, um, these uh, five subsystems and the personal story. This is really, really huge. I know some, so many people um, that are going to benefit from this just as I have done now uh, resources. I want to talk about that before we go real quick. I know you do um, some incredible webinars um, probably is it monthly or something like that? People could get access typically to that. every month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Typically once a month, different things that couples can get uh, access to. You're doing a lot of work in couple in the area of couples therapy and mm-hmm. writing. And, um, so where, how do people get access to those monthly webinars? So the best thing to do would be to join my mailing list. Cause I always announce them and you can do that. There's several places to do that during ventures.com or drjakeporter.com and just join, join my mailing list. And then when the next one's getting announced, you'll get that email. Um, you can find all of the past webinars. If you go to go go dot daring ventures at home.com. Uh, you can see all, mm-hmm. all the past there's, I don't know, 30 or something. Now there's, there's a bunch of them. Can you say that one yeah. again? Go. Yeah. Go dot daring mm-hmm. ventures at home, not the at sign, but actually at daring ventures mm-hmm. at home.com. And, uh, there's a resource library there and you can browse all the different webinars and get access mm. to replays of them. And then I'll also one more thing, cause that's all paid. I've got tons of free stuff. Uh Tons and tons. My YouTube channel and my Instagram, um, Mm -hmm. the YouTube channel has, I don't even know how many, maybe hundreds at this point of of short videos where I'm explaining different things. So you could just Mm -hmm. search me on YouTube, Dr. Jake Porter. Mm -hmm. And is there a link to the YouTube channel on drjakeporter.com? Maybe yes. it's on there too. Yes. I'm, I'm That's assuming. a good place to so, find it all. Yep. Sure. Yep. Um, sometimes I hate searching on YouTube with all the junk that starts to pop <laughs> I up. Hear but, you. Uh, I hear you. Yeah, but that's um, so for those, um, and I know that there's an audience, there's a group of guys who who would appreciate that. <laughs> go go to drjakeporter.com and then and then get to the YouTube channel yeah. that way. And and then the Choose Connection Summit. Uh, yeah. This is an annual thing that you, I think it's once a year. Is it once a year or twice a year? Once a year. Once, once a, a year. year. Is it always in March? Uh, it used to be in October. We moved it to March, um, mm. I guess, last year. Uh, so, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and you and Kristen have been a part of it every time so mm. that we've done it so far. And thank you so much for supporting it and helping make it yeah. the rich experience that it is. But the mm-hmm. the Choose Connection Summit, the goal there is to get really good quality information for couples who are on this journey out there for free. And mm-hmm. so it's a multi-day online summit. You just put your email address in and you get free access uh, as it's going on. And for, you know, I can't honestly, I can't remember if it's 24 or 48 hours afterwards, but something right. like that, you know, we try mm-hmm. to create a, a a big window there of time where 
couples can can look at the schedule and pick the sessions that yeah. will speak to them and where they are in their journey and get mm-hmm. some good good information that way. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So yeah, we're thinking that the um, the link should be up and running for this next this upcoming Choose Connection. So it's chooseconnectionsummit.com. Is that right? chooseconnectionsummit.com, but I'm going to encourage them to just mm-hmm. not go straight to it and click yeah. on your link to it. Uh, that way we know they came from you. So um, Kristen and Michael will have their own link and that helps us know that 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 mm-hmm. they sent you. And uh, we like to know that so we can can thank them appropriately and, and that way they get a little credit for mm-hmm. that. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Right on. We'll put that in the uh, podcast description and notes and stuff like that too. So thanks for pointing that out. We definitely want people to take advantage of that and these resources. And of course, uh, people all over the, I mean, how how many people in the world can get access to your coaching? And I know you guys do some awesome things. People fly into Houston for, uh, for, for some specific like disclosures and Mm -hmm. polygraph and different things. Um, can anyone in, you know, the U S or in the world, access your coaching and stuff. Uh, what is that like? Sure. So um, I do, I don't take on ongoing clients anymore. I only do intensives. Um, now I do have clients that come back for multiple intensives. So that's sort of ongoing, but, but mm-hmm. if, if you're interested in doing an intensive, go to daringventures.com slash intensives. There's a free webinar there where I talk about the intensive process and the different types of intensives we do. But the most important thing to know about our intensives is that we do not have a one size fits all formulaic approach. Like it's a commitment to even go through our intake process because of Uh the amount of data that we are looking for, the assessments that we have people take. But what that allows us to do is build an experience that is for them. Mm. You know, for their needs based on what they have. I mean, are there elements that repeat? Sure. You know, certain tools that we like to give lots of people. Sure. Oh, but yeah. We're going to create it for them. And so these mm-hmm. are customized intensives. I, I will say I've, I've just this week launched a new service where, where people can, and you can go to drjakeporter.com uh, for this. And it's under the work with me thing. You can, you can buy 15 minutes where you got a question or a few questions you want to answer, ask me the way it works mm-hmm. is pretty cool. It's on an app called volley and mm. we just send vet- video messages back and forth. So we don't have to make an appointment. Our schedules don't have to align. You send wow. me the question. When I get a few minutes, I listen to it. I send you my answer and we volley back and forth, you know, for oh. however much time you want. So that's been a lot wow. of fun doing okay. that. So you can do like five minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, or an hour or something. Mm, The coaching version of Marco Polo or whatever that is. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Exactly. That is awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast here. This was uh, incredible and um, definitely look forward to doing this again. I'm not going to wait two years, two and a half years (laughs) until I invite you back. How about that? Sounds good, Mm -hmm. Michael. I always enjoy being with you. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.